three, two, one. We're Monsters, we're Monsters Incorporated, <laughs> and we're fighting for your right to party. Try that again. Why? I was, I was stunned at how much of a lag there was. Yeah. To me, I'm talking exactly when you are. Okay, so great. That's... For me, it's like a solid whole second. Okay, let's go. Let's start again. That's fine. Okay. Three, two, one. We're Monsters Monsters Incorporated, Incorporated, and we're fighting for your right to to party. party. You are so bad at this. I am doing it in sync. I didn't stop. (laughs) Yes, you did. Are you not going to say we're fighting for your right to party? And I said it at the same speed, even though there was a minute lag. (laughs) You didn't say we're fighting for your right to party. I said I let you say it, and then I came in at the, the, the party part. But now that I realize that, I would have to say it a second early in order, in order for it to sync up with you. Well, that's so the that's, thing about that's the magic just of editing. Confusing. <laughs> Gosh, I, okay, so for Christmas, for Jesus' birthday, a mom got me these like super cool like Dungeons and Dragons like map pieces that are just like super nice and have a bunch of different like buildings with like interiors and like different little like props like treasure chests and tents and stuff that you can use and they're can like I interrupt super you super dope. quick what can I interrupt you super quick okay is this a story or this is it just, just you talking about the cool D&D thing you got for Christmas? This was just something fun I wanted to say. I was gonna, It's going to turn into an anecdote if you would let me okay. finish. I'm just checking. But if you're all, confident in the power all, of this anecdote, then please proceed. Talk. They're all on these like big like cardboard squares and you have to cut out all the pieces. So I've just been cutting out little cardboard pieces for like 48 hours and like my hands, <laughs> I can feel it and it hurts. Okay, alright, that was fine, that was fine. It yeah. just seemed... Yeah, why don't you trust me? <laughs> okay, alright. Because sometimes you come into the podcast and you're just like, I had a good day at school today. <laughs> That's only when like, you have okay, an anecdotal cool. story, and then you're like, alright, Adeline, time for you to have an anecdotal story. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> And my life is boring, so sometimes I don't have one. So sometimes I just have to say, life has been good today. That- Leave me alone. And ignore the fact that I said anecdotal story. Story. <laughs> um, Adeline. Yeah? Adeline. Yes? What was the film for today? Um, uh, it was uh, Creatures Industries. It was Monsters Incorporated. I have a yeah. scorching hot take on this movie. Okay. Are you ready for this? I uh-huh. already tweeted about it twice today. Great. <laughs> because it's that important. It's that hot of a take. This movie uh-huh. is about fear-mongering. Yes. And also, it's literally about people who are fear-mongers. Because they... Are selling fear to people at a profit. Hey, Jackson. It's literally and metaphorically 
about fear-mongering. Cecilia literally has that line where she says, I'm sorry, Mrs. Fearmonger is on vacation. Would you like her voicemail? Right? What does that have to do with it? I'm just I'm saying still that, right. Yeah, you're Why you are, are you booing right. me? I'm right. I'm saying that it's it's obvious and that the movie kind of makes the joke. It's not obvious. Okay. That is a, that is a beautiful insight. Okay. That I made with my great intellect. Uh-huh. You got... <laughs> Delunctious. Do you have no? Nope. That one's not good. I've got a big head now. I've, I'm acting like a diva <laughs> because now I can gas. just coast on. I can just coast on that take. Yeah, forever now you can just burp so and great. fart through the whole podcast, <laughs> and you'll be good. I don't even care. People want to hear what I have to say now. Uh huh. I've got street cred now. I was the guy who said that thing about Monsters, Inc. that was so smart. Don't you know who I am? I can make any kind of gross noises on mic I want now. People <laughs> how, don't even how care. How dare you? They'll muscle through it because they want to get to the cool things that I have to say. The hot takes. They're like, man, we want those spicy takes. <laughs> I mean, so after watching this week, it's been a very long time since I just like sat down and watched Monsters, Inc. Like outside yeah, of like my childhood. Like, right. I feel, we watch this movie a lot. Like, so much so, like, I have so many, like, tactile and, like, texture memories of this movie. Yeah. Like, for, like, the ones that, like, really stuck out is the scene where he, like, flushes all the, like, kids' toys down the toilet. Like, I don't right. know why. And then there's that there's that little assistant guy who's, like, a little, like, broccoli guy, and he's got, like, 12 eyeballs in his head that each have a <laughs> right. little hat. And, like, he, like, high-fives Sully and his hats, <laughs> like, fall off. And they make such a specific sound that's yeah, just, like, that's engraved my into my brain. Yeah, that's a great piece of sound design. Just, like, the yeah. sound of all those little helmets, like, clattering to the floor is yeah. so funny. Anyway, but, like, what I really learned, like, watching this movie again is that I just had no fucking clue what was going on in this movie when I was a kid. <laughs> right. I, I was, like, watching it now, and I was like, oh... This is, like, super interesting and, like, cool right. and, like, has, like, a little bit of, like, a political tinge to it. And I was like, oh. It really does, yeah. This is dope. And then I was, as a kid, I was just like, hey, monsters. Right. No, yeah, it's, um, it's, I mean, so, yeah, my biggest, like, genuine takeaway from this, besides the really cool and smart thing I said at the beginning. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Was just that I feel like the piece that this movie is missing is that it's not about the company trying to hide the fact that laughter is more valuable, right? It's more like they're just unaware and kind of unwilling to try other things, you yeah, know? Yeah, like the gas industry. But I feel like the I think a stronger message is because because fearmongering is like a sort of bigger idea than just like the selling of products, right? Mm -hmm. I think what would be a lot more interesting in terms of the story is if they were like, "Oh, we know that laughter is more powerful, yeah. but it's more profitable for me, Wister Waternoose, for us to use screams instead." Yeah. And I'm trying to keep it covered up, so that's why I tell everybody yeah. that kids are dangerous. That I mean seems like the thing they sh are trying to do when they first wrote the script, but somehow it never quite translated through to the final yeah. product. And I, I mean, those are very similar ideas. Yeah. Like, it's... 
yeah, it's like defeat your mongering. It's that this is the way we do it, and there is no other alternative. I and it yeah, it is implied that like maybe Waternoose knew that there was another alternative, and he kept it a secret because screams were more profitable for him. But I don't. I think. I think it still definitely works. Like yeah, no, yeah, and the thing is, because the biggest thing that that affects is just that, as far as we know, everybody in the whole world is on the same page that they genuinely think kids are toxic and dangerous, right? Yeah. There's no conspiracy and there's no cover up. It's just like, oh, because in in actuality, in the execution of this, there isn't really any fear mongering because presumably everybody's just on the same page that this is real and true, you know? Well, but I think it's because they're wrong that you get that fear-mongering. Right. And you get... I mean, because, like, the really obvious example is after the restaurant is destroyed and they get Boo, and basically Boo didn't hurt anybody other than people right. freaking out that she was there. And then you have all those people going on the news and being like, it's a joke, and they're like, the kid <laughs> right. was flying around and shooting lasers, and they're like, I yeah, saw totally. it do that! Like, it's... <laughs> it's, it's more like... It... Like, the fear-mongering has succeeded so much in this society that, like, the company itself is no longer just doing the fear-mongering. It's like the society itself is like, totally taken right. care of it and internalized all that information. So now yeah, it's just, totally. like, absolutely true So to that point. So you're positing that presumably this was at some point a cover-up, but that was so long ago now that... It yeah. doesn't even matter anymore. Like it's they've all, like the fear mongering this has like already succeeded. We're like in the aftermath of the fear mongering, right? Because yeah. we really are. Because like they talk about it so much, like there's blackouts ha happening and there is no energy. So it's like it succeeded so much that like there is no alternative, and now the society is suffering because they do not think that there is any alternative. Right. Yeah, I just wish you would have seen it. I wish it would have yeah, been yeah. Mister Waternoose, who was like, "Oh, I know that laughter is super powerful, but I just invested millions in scream-specific technology, and I can't let that go to waste." <laughs> in so the screamorama. Yeah, the screamorama. I spent billions on the screamorama. <laughs> you don't understand how much <laughs> I just spent on this new laptop that only works on screamorama. <laughs> And if we start doing laughs instead, this whole thing is going to go tits up on it's me. Just gotta, I gotta throw away my PC and I gotta buy a Mac and I just can't. <laughs> I could just replace the battery because they do make laugh batteries, but that's a pain in the ass. But then I gotta and it go costs to the almost as much store, as a whole new computer. And it's the holiday season and it's gonna be fucking crowded. And then there's gonna be a new kid there and he's gonna miss, he's gonna lose my computer and I'm gonna have to get a new one. And it's just, it's a whole thing. It's a whole it's thing. Gonna Let's be a just whole continue thing. to scare children. And it's easier to just scare the shit out of kids forever. Just honestly. take a gun and just walk in the room <laughs> and then walk back out. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> I was going to say, an easier thing to do, I think, than all their bullshit that they do in this movie, is to just walk in with a gun. Yeah, walk in just with, walk a gun, in with a gun, shoot it into the ceiling once or twice, and then just peace out of there. That's all you gotta do. just walk straight back out. That's all you need to do. In this modern age, all you gotta do. Yeah, look, because they keep talking about that, and that's like kind of a theme of the movie, is one of the reasons why screaming isn't... Not only is it kind of weak energy to start with, like, they're already, they're not getting as much of it because, oh, kids are so hard to scare these days. Right. And it's, it's, and it's kind of, it, it's, to me, it's a similar metaphor to when people are like, millennials are killing the X industry. 
because right. it really is like the like the monsters incorporated refusing to ja- to change with how the kids of the world are changing. Right. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, they have that stupid video of the kid like watching the violent movie and just being totally <laughs> right. bored by it. And it's like, and then we send in our big purple, bluey, blue, fluffy man <laughs> to scream, and it just doesn't scare the kid anymore. And it's like, well, yeah. Because Sully's adorable. I don't know what you right. want. Give Sully a gun and he would be so scary. <laughs> um, so uh, I was interested because this is the, the fourth Pixar movie. Yes. We go Toy Story and then uh-huh. The Bug's Life and then the second Toy Story. Uh-huh. Dose. Toy Story yes. 2 colon the one... There's a girl now. There's a girl now. I almost said two toy, two story, but I already used that joke <laughs> once, and I was just floundering because I couldn't think of any other joke. <laughs> great, great, So great, now great. I'm kind of rethinking. I thought I was really cool and smart at the beginning, but now uh, I think maybe I'm just totally out of things to say. I don't yeah, know. Mm-hmm. I'll keep not, you posted yeah, you on how this progresses. Yeah, you already used up all your smart stuff. Now all I don't you think got I have any, farts. I don't think I have any jokes left. I think I used all my good ones. Um, <laughs> I gotta go to the store. <laughs> <laughs> Get some new but, jokes. Um, Toy Story 2. And I think that the Toy Stories are really committed to a certain amount of, of realism, you know? Like, yeah. obviously not true realism because it's a cartoon and it's about toys. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, obviously. Don't, don't put words in my Do mouth. Do not hey. at me. Um, but in terms of the tone of... And the dialogue and the way things move and are animated, they're very much trying to emulate the real world, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the same can be said for Bugs Life, although not not quite as much. To an extent, yeah. Yeah. I was just really struck by the fact that the opening sequence of this movie, when the monster comes in and slips on the ball and lands on some jacks and has some jacks go up his butt, he, like, <laughs> yep, uh-huh. freaks he like freaks out and like runs up the walls and flips over and bounces around on his head and stuff and it's like so heightened and cartoony and I was yeah. just really struck by like how much of a departure that is from what Pixar had been doing before oh, yeah. you know well, like and- they're they're approaching this project with a full like really taking into account what they can be doing and not just coasting on what they've been doing already you know oh, yeah. they're starting from square one in terms of like what they're animating and how it can be animated you know yeah i was mom was in the room with me when i was watching this and we had just watched uh finding dory and we were talking about like how like well because we'd also watched monsters university a few days ago and we were talking about like how like much the like the animation like still holds up but then like isn't as good as now and like honestly right like sully and like sully's hair like still looks really really good yeah, because no, it looks usually great. when you watch an old animated movie, like the first <laughs> thing that looks weird is always the hair because it's such a hard thing to animate. And mm-hmm. this one, like Sully's just totally covered in hair, and like it like moves naturally, and like it's not as like thick as it is in Monsters University, but it still looks just like super super good. Right. And yeah, like the, the missing pieces that like Pixar has just been able to like nail so well, like the textures and like eyeballs and like having people like actually look at things rather than like look past things is kind of something that we talked about too and it's talking going back to like having this like more like animation not based on trying to mimic reality for for a really long time pixar like 
basically tried to avoid animating humans as much as possible <laughs> right. because no, yeah. it's really, really hard. But, like, in this movie, I mean, there's not a lot of humans. You, we see a lot of kids, but, like, the adults are usually, like, shadow puppets or we don't see them. But, like, mm. Boo really looks like a person before yeah. Pixar was really comfortable with animating humans. <laughs> right. And, like, I think Boo looks really good and, like... The way that she, like, moves, like, her, like, character movement is really, really good for that of, like, a three-year-old or however old she is. Like, she just, like, uh-huh. totally, like, looks and sounds and acts like a toddler. And it feels like they nailed that so much, like, before they were even really comfortable in that space. And I just think it's yeah. really interesting. No, yeah, the famous trivia fact is, like, at the time they were making this, it took a computer 11 hours to render a frame of Sully. Yeah. Because it had to render, like, individual hairs, and there's, like, a million some odd hairs on his body. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, like, comparing that figure of, like, it takes 12 hours to render a frame of Sully. Yeah. Especially in the big final set piece at the end, which is, like, bigger like... and more complicated than anything Pixar has even tried to do up to this point. Oh, yeah. It's, like, and this then you've still enormous got... room with thousands yeah. and thousands of doors with Sully right in the foreground. I was like, that's gotta be, like, a whole week. Like, yeah. you just gotta, like... I'm just a computer, just chugging away. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I have to imagine they, like, animated that sequence, set it up on, like, a hundred computers, yeah. and just left <laughs> it alone for, like, a month. And we're like, yeah. okay, we'll check back later and see how it's going. I always talk about this. I have a really weird, like, fear of old computers, just because I have... I just don't understand how they work, and it freaks me out. I okay. have absolutely no goddamn idea how they made this movie on a computer in 2001. I just have right. no fucking clue. Like, how do you do that? Like, that just blows my mind. Yeah. What I always like to think about that I think is so interesting is that, like... Animated movies take, like, three years or more, especially when you're at, like, the Pixar level, you know, to make. And the animation technology available to you for the whole movie is only as good as it is at the start of production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, any movie that you're seeing right now in theaters today... You're seeing animation technology that's maybe five years old already. Yeah. Well, that was the whole thing with uh, the Jungle Book movie. Uh, freaking, not Michael Sarah, Andy Serkis's. Oh, right. <laughs> I got their names confused for a second. With right. Andy Serkis's Jungle Book is that they made it and then they waited so long that at the time that they made it, the animation was very good. But then they waited like four years. And so when they actually <laughs> did release it, the animation looked like shit. Right. Because they just waited too long and it just yeah. it didn't look good anymore. Well, I mean, I don't think it really looked that good to begin well, with. Well, and then also that it had a small had budget, but that a was a tiny part of budget. it. That yeah. was an element of why it looked like um, that. No, yeah, I agree. No, but that's just the thing to me is when I'm watching, like, Toy Story 4 and there's that sequence of, like, you know, when the car is outside and they're rescuing from the gutter and it just looks like reality. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. really and truly looks like you're looking through a window at the oh, world. God. You know, The rain in Toy Story 4 is yeah. so fucking bonkers. And you're it just like... so good. Yeah, you're just like blown away. You're like, this is spectacular. Like, how could it ever get better than this? And you just yeah. have to think like... This is technology that's five years old yeah. already. That Toy I'm Story at 5 right is going to come out and we're all just going to shit our pants in the theater about how good <laughs> yeah. it looks. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just in terms of, like, what this, I don't know, the hair is such a big thing in animation. Oh, yeah. And I feel like every Pixar movie, uh, like, leading up to the certain point where it stops really being a big deal, 
mm-hmm. like the hair just gets more and more impressive and like the hair in this is great obviously but i always think about the hair on incredibles that's oh, like yeah. so weirdly over animated because oh, yeah. you can oh, dude, tell how proud of it they were oh yeah totally they were so fucking proud of themselves and we were all <laughs> so impressed hair. like it was great <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. That's one thing that I think looks a little bit dated about The Incredibles, is yeah. that the hair is just, like, weirdly animated, like, much no, better than anything they else. They, like, released, like, before the movie came out, they released all these, like, tests that they did with the hair, and they were like, this is the cutting edge of animation, and it's, like, <laughs> Violet's, like, head moving around with her hair on it, and it, like, kind of doesn't move as much as it should move, and I just imagine <laughs> right. all of the animators of the past being like, whoa! <laughs> and we're just like, oh, oh no. So since think, we're talking about um, all other Pixar movies. Yeah, all of them. I want to talk about how whack it is that they chose to make a prequel to this movie. Because, like, yeah. the movie is about <laughs> how everything they've been doing their whole lives is wrong. Yeah. And they need to reconsider themselves and the world around them to improve it, to step away from the bad thing they've been doing this whole time, right? Yeah. That's what the movie's about. And they're like, wouldn't it be fun if there was a whole movie where we saw them in college when they were learning how to do the bad thing that hurts when they people? Were, when they, the tyranny began? <laughs> yeah, and we just don't even talk about it or acknowledge it at all. It's not thematically relevant to no. the movie in any way. It's just about them becoming friends. Yeah. <laughs> Whose idea was that? Well, John Lasseter. <laughs> no, John, it wasn't John Lasseter because these are, these are Pete Doctor joints. Oh, yeah. Um, let me double check on that and make sure it's not Andrew Stanton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Monsters, Inc. are, are, are Pete Doctors. Uh, and he, you know, he goes on to do Up and Inside Out. Yeah. And, uh, that is all. But he's gonna do Soul next. Which I'm really excited about. Have they Soul told us what really Soul cool. is about yet? Have you not seen the trailer? I don't think so. I might You have. should look up the trailer. It's really good. Okay. Do you want to take a quick break and look up the trailer? No, we'll do no. <laughs> okay. Because it's just about a guy who's like this black musician in New York City. Mm-hmm. And then like, I mean, we don't really know what it's about, but the trailer is like, oh, I'm, I'm Jamie Foxx and I'm a jazz musician and I play the bass and I want to do something with my life and I think art's very important and you're like oh okay it's about him making a name for himself in the New York City jazz scene and yeah. then he like falls in a manhole and he's in like a weird inside out world where he's like a little glowy soul and Tina Fey is also there and you're like oh man this is a Pixar movie alright it's got whimsy <laughs> mixed in with realism um, mixed in whoa no one's ever I'm done just, that before I know. I'm describing it in a very cynical way, but yeah. it actually looks really good. Um, it sounds like you loathe this movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, no, and I think it's really interesting because, like, the the world of New York that they're that they're animating in it is like really and truly looks like New York, and the people yeah. in it are moving around and interacting with each other like reality. They're not yeah. like over animated or cartoonish like at all. It's like yeah. the most strict realism that Pixar has done on that like big of a scale in a story about people before you know mm-hmm. and I just think it's really interesting I'm really excited to see where that goes 
See, whenever I think about? about crowds in New York, all I can think of is that one shot across the universe where there's that giant crowd of people walking, and then, like, half the people take that, like, sidestep to the left and keep walking, oh, yeah. and it's the coolest thing that's ever been done. Anyway. <laughs> that's just where my head went. I also had a thought back when we were talking about hair in animation, and I feel sure. like it's too late to say anymore, but I'll just, I'll say it anyway. Yeah, go for it. Well, because the whole thing when Frozen came out is that... They were like, Elsa has, like, ten times the hair that Rapunzel did. And everyone was like, whoa, what the heck? But it's just because they said it was Rapunzel, and Rapunzel's whole thing is her hair. And it's like, well, duh, she has more hair than Rapunzel does, because Rapunzel had, like, maybe, like, a hundred strands of hair tops. (laughs) Wait, why why do you say that? Well, no, it's just people were like, well, that's crazy, because they were thinking of, like, the length of Rapunzel's hair and not, like, the right. number of hairs on her head. Yeah, And I just, like, so. looking at the two character models, it's very obvious that Elsa has more hair strands than Rapunzel <laughs> right. does. Right. Okay. And, and then all I can think about is that one shot in Frozen where Elsa's whole braid just goes through her arm <laughs> during Let It Go, <laughs> and that's just where I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, they were like Monsters the pinnacle Inc. of hair animation, and her brain just goes straight through her chest. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I am like constantly you... like on the pendulum swing of either shitting all over Frozen or being like Frozen wasn't that bad, you guys, <laughs> and I will never land on either side. I'm just constantly switching. <laughs> what do you think about Onward? I. I remember when I saw the first trailer, I was like, this looks really fun. I wonder what this is going to be about. And then I think I saw, like, the second trailer, and it wasn't about what I thought it was about. And then I was just confused. But now I don't remember what happened in the second trailer, so I'm just... I don't remember. They're like, oh, we found this spell to bring back our dead dad, and they do yeah. it, but something happens halfway through, so it's just his legs, so it's just, like, his disembodied legs yeah. and jeans running around. Yeah, that's just not what I thought. <laughs> I thought we were going to go on, like, a classic fantasy adventure, but, like, with a modern spin, and that was going right. to be what it was, and then it doesn't, it, I don't think it's going to be that, so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like this is a movie that has sort of a negative vibe attached to it right now. Like I feel like in general people are kind of like, eh, yeah, like I don't mm. know. Um, I've learned that um, whoever Pixar trusts to make trailers is very very bad at it. Yeah, I feel like every Pixar movie for the last like three years, I've seen the trailer and been like, ah oh, man, what's going on with this? Yeah, and then you and see then, it and it's great because it's Pixar. Yeah, exactly. I, I guess, I don't know, because I guess the most recent Pixar movies were like Toy Story 4, which was great. But yeah. then like before that, it was like Incredibles 2, which I was disappointed in. But it well, wasn't as Toy bad Story as the 4... trailer made it look, though. Oh, like, yeah, even Toy Story still. 4 had terrible trailers, and I Yeah, those were like why. the worst trailers. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about... There's a certain talent to being able to cut a trailer together with, like, bits of dialogue and making yeah. the movie still come across as as fun and watchable, you know? Yeah. Well, because... it's like telling people what goes on with the movie without... Because, like, everybody's biggest criticism of any trailer is like, well, you just showed me the whole movie. Why do I need to go see it now? <laughs> which right. is Which is sometimes a really fair criticism, depending on what the movie is. But, like, yeah, like, how much do you show to, like, establish what's going on and get people interested without giving them too much information or just, uh-huh. 
showing the wrong parts of the movie or right. cutting in the only three jokes that are in the movie into the trailer <laughs> right. so like that I think wallet. that is a, so that I think that it is a comedy with more <laughs> jokes than those three jokes right. when in reality those are the only three jokes in the whole film that is a fatal mistake have you yeah. heard about the um sweetie todd trailers no so um sweetie todd their marketing team decided that when they were cutting the trailer together, they would just happen to not put any singing in it at all. Oh, no. So the general public who wasn't familiar with Sweetie Todd or what it was yeah. had no idea it was going to be a Stephen Sondheim musical. That is when they walked so in. good. So, that is like that's like the equivalent of walking into a Star Wars movie without knowing that Darth <laughs> Vader is Luke's son. Like that's like yeah. that same level of like not being in the know. That's so fucking good. Yeah, oh, if no. I could go back in time. <laughs> but literally, like you can see in like the box office reports, yeah. people were really mad about it. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. Because like the opening weekend was huge. And then it just fucking dropped off a cliff because yeah. people were just like, no, fuck, I didn't want a musical. Musicals are for sissies and that wasn't what I was hoping for. I was I'm hoping for a slasher comedy like from musicals. Tim Burton. Yeah. And it's just so funny. And like there were all these articles that people wrote about people like walking out of the theater when Johnny Depp started singing. Uh, those are <laughs> cowards. I know, it's just so Absolute good. heathens. Like, and that's the thing, right? Is that they kind of were on to something because they were like a lot of people who might be attracted to the aesthetic of this movie would be Don't turned like off musicals. would be turned off by the fact that it's a Stephen Sondheim musical yeah. right but i think i don't know because you can either like make it really upfront and risk alienating those people but you know confirm a different audience right yeah or you can do that and just piss off the people who don't know it's a musical <laughs> while also simultaneously pissing off the people who know what Sweetie Todd is yeah. because they're like, why isn't he singing? What's going on with this? But 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 then you're that person who's like, why isn't this a musical? But then when you see Johnny Depp start to sing and that moment of just relief and happiness <laughs> has to just be through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Okay. We... Jackson, you need to come to Spokane so we can watch Cats together because I haven't seen it yet, oh. and I've just been watching the rest of the world losing their minds, and I don't, I don't understand. Can I tell you, Cats is just the worst musical ever. Yeah, 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 it yeah. It sucks Dude, so bad. Have you seen? Okay, I'm gonna talk about TikToks for a second. Have you seen the TikTok? It's like a TikTok challenge where they're like, as the credits roll on Cats, turn to your friend and ask them for three character names, and they won't be able to fucking do <laughs> oh, it. Oh no! Oh no! No! I got you. See, See, my favorite cat is Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. Um, he has... This is worse than Warrior Cat's name. This is worse. Um, no, okay. See, look. I, I saw I saw cats a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say a couple of times. No, no, no. I only saw it the one time. See, I don't know. I'm a little bit worn out on the so bad it's good laugh at a movie thing, you know? Yeah. Jackson, not, that's not our totally. whole lives. I mean, but it's not even necessarily, I don't know, I'm trying to describe. Because something like Batman vs. Superman is different, right? Yeah. Than something like Spider-Man 3 or like Cats where you're just like, this is a disaster. This is horrible. What's happening? You know? <laughs> but there is a shot in Cats where um, Jennifer Hudson 
uh, is singing Memory, the big dramatic yeah, famous yeah, yeah. song that sucks so bad, by the way. Every song in Cats sucks ass. Um, but she's giving her absolute everything in this performance. And uh-huh. there are, like, tears streaming down her face. And she, like, collapses on the floor in the end of it. And they cut to this reaction shot of this nameless cat we've never seen before. And he's just staring in horror and a single tear rolls down his <laughs> cheek. <laughs> and it's I've- the funniest thing in the world that shot has like been haunting my dreams ever since i saw it it's <laughs> the so only, funny the only footage that i've seen of the cats movie is this video that someone took i think it's during that scene someone's like no it's when they're like talking about catnip or whatever and they're right. just like focusing on all of the background cats as they're like jizzing in their pants and being <laughs> right? so weird about the fact that they're talking about catnip right. and it's oh my god and idris elba is just so naked <laughs> yeah Okay, here's the thing about Idris Elba in that movie. They edited out his dick. Uh, no, that was um, that was Jason Derulo. Oh, uh, Jason they edited Derulo, out sorry. his bulge. I don't know. They might have edited out other people's bulges. Jason Derulo was the one who was very vocal about how he didn't. It want was them to very do that, upset. <laughs> they did um, that to him. No, Idris Elba is weirdly giving a really good performance in Cats. <laughs> He's, like, really dialed in and, like, super genuinely interesting and engaging to watch. Yeah. And I was like, I was not expecting this from him. Okay, well, like, like it just almost, like, really killing it in Cats. I mean, if anybody's gonna be good in the Cats movie, it's gotta be Idris <laughs> Elba. Because yeah. he's acting alongside maybe just the weirdest collective cast of people that I've ever <laughs> fucking know. seen. I think, like, the casters just, like, looked at a piece of paper of, like, who is famous, and then just, like, <laughs> randomly pulled people out of it, and right. were like, this'll be good. This person's famous. No, yeah. So, uh, some good cat names include, um... I already mentioned Skimbleshanks the Railway Cat, uh, uh-huh. who has, like, genuinely a really good, like, musical dance sequence that I actually really like. Um, yeah. He's my favorite cat, is Skimbleshanks the Railway Cat. Um, another good one is James Corden plays a character named Bustafer Jones. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call my penis. <laughs> Which is, I think, the funniest collection of syllables that there could ever be. Bustafer? <laughs> <laughs> Bustafer Jones, Yeah. <laughs> That's um, not a name. What is the name? Oh, fuck. What's Who's the name of their fucking cat's Jason this? Derulo. Every oh, the... fucking cat on the planet is named either like Oreo or Cupcake <laughs> or Spots. Right. And they're like not. In this reality, people name their cats things like Bustafer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's a whole thing in cats. Um, is the very opening number, uh, what's her name? Francesca Hayward, the lead. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm a new cat in town, and I don't even know what's up. And all the other cats show up, and they're like, oh, what's up? We're the Jellicle Cats. Here's our whole thing. You have one name that humans give you, but you have a real cat name also. That's a secret to humans. And mine's Mr. Mistopheles. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's fine. Like, you've got, like, secret cat names, and she has to, like earn her cat name because she's yeah. new that's fine it's warrior cats it's warrior cats they never address the whole secret name thing ever again it literally never comes up ever again i think again. they're just trying to tell you why all these cats have stupid ass <laughs> names it's yeah. just uh you, no that's their secret cat name yeah okay i'm gonna talk about cats for a while because why okay I, why does this always happen with pixar movies <laughs> where we just talk about literally anything else it's okay i think people i like to think that people like this okay <laughs> 
I, I sure do hope. Just, God, I, choose I, to I believe. wish, my greatest wish is that other people like this. Um, so, it's based on a series of short stories. Um, Fine. That, um, oh, shoot, what's the name of the guy? Hold on. I'm the only thing on... that I know about the writer of the Cats musical is that he was writing a sequel to the Are Phantom you talking about opera. Andrew Lloyd Webber? Yes. Okay. Is that his? He was writing a sequel to the Phantom of the Opera, and then his cat uh, walked across his keyboard and deleted all of it. And I think maybe <laughs> saved humanity in the process from a Phantom of the Opera sequel. What the fuck would that even be? <laughs> okay. Anyway, because uh, <laughs> the Phantom of the Opera dies at the end of the Phantom of the Opera or disappears. Right. I don't know what the fuck happens to the Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera is a bad play. That sucks. Don't at me. Um, so, okay, T.S. Eliot wrote a series of short stories that are just like, cats are interesting, and they kind of go out and do their own thing at night, and you don't really see them until they come back in the morning. I wonder what they get up to. Yeah, that would it's be like funny. Toy Story, but with cats. Yeah, so he wrote a handful of short stories being like, oh, here's this cat that lives on the railway, his name's Skimbleshanks. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was T.S. Eliot or Andrew Lloyd Webber. Well, see, who like, okay, having to have a silly name like that is fine when it's a real-ass cat and not a man in a <laughs> right. terrifying fursuit. <laughs> but yeah, but then Andrew Lloyd Webber was just like, oh, I like these short stories. They're very fun. What if I just took the the words in these short stories and just set them to bad music without changing them at all? And what if the plot of it was that all of these cats are performing and whoever wins gets to die? <laughs> gets to just float up into the sky. What if, yeah. what if that's what this was about instead of whatever the fuck it's actually about? So yeah, so here's the thing. Here's the thing about cats. Here's my big yes. take. As a movie, it's really not so horrible. It's just that it's an adaptation of the worst, most boring, stupid musical ever. <laughs> and They're like, doing the best with the pile of shit exactly. that they were handed. And, like, a lot of the musical sequences are actually really fun. And, like, Idris Elba and Ian McKellen are both doing a really good job. And there's a lot of fun choreography. And there's a couple of big set pieces where it's, like, people are dancing and there's a lot of visual effects. And you're like, oh, hell yeah, this is cool and fun. I'm enjoying this. It's just the Cats is the worst musical ever <laughs> created by man is the problem about uh-huh. the movie. It's just that fundamentally it's the worst. <laughs> um. Yeah, what? God. See, like, what, for me, the, like, the, like, the perfect, like, money spot for, like, a movie being like bad but still really really enjoyable is when i say this all the time it's like it has to be like 50 50 like 50 like really like good ideas that are like paying off really well and like really right. cool shots and you could tell that they're working <laughs> on stuff and like they do have some really cool ideas developed and they do have some really good shots and they do have some really good scenes and the other 50 percent is just like where everything falls apart and doesn't make any fucking sense and it's <laughs> right. garbage and you're like what the fuck are you doing like that's like the perfect <laughs> right like quote-unquote bad movie that's what batman exactly. versus superman is that's what yeah. spider-man 3 is and i just i don't think cats i haven't seen it yet of course this is an opinion about a movie i haven't seen but <laughs> right. i don't think that it gets that it gets there i don't think it that's what happens Right. I mean, I don't know. I think it's probably like 75-25. Yeah. 
Yeah, of like it, there's, of there's enough stuff good to that stuff? I'm like, uh, yeah, I know. I think it's seventy five bad stuff, twenty five good. Oh, stuff. okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like in terms of like the craft and like what they're actually trying to do and what the final product is, I was like, yeah, I mean, this is pretty much as good as a cat's movie could yeah. be. To it's be like frank. you did you did everything you were supposed to do, right? But it still ended up being cats the movie, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. So something that I am really interested in. This is our last thing about cats before we start talking about Monsters, Inc. again. I swear to God. Um, it's not even really about cats. It's just that, like, at the end of... I don't know. A few years ago, there were two, like, really successful um, movie... Like, original, low-budget movie musicals. We had La La Land and we had The Greatest Showman. Both I of those La did La super Land well. La La Land had a big budget. Am I incorrect in thinking that? I mean, it's not a it's not a blockbuster budget. It I, had yeah, a relatively high budget for being an independent movie. For what right? it was, yeah. Yeah, but like in general, it's not like a big blockbuster production. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and those were both like really successful, and people were like, "Oh, maybe there's a market for this musicals thing again." Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just didn't follow up on it at all for like three years. Yeah. And then now, all of a sudden, we're hitting a point, I guess because a lot of these things went into production, like, after those things did well. Mm-hmm. But what we're not doing, we're not making low-budget original movie musicals. We're going for giant-budget blockbuster adaptations of of existing musicals instead. Mm-hmm. Because just this year, we've got Cats already, and then um, Steven Spielberg is doing West Side Story at, in December, um, Tick, Tick, Boom is being directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda for Netflix. In the oh. Heights is coming out this summer. And there's a Wicked movie scheduled for 2021. So Lin-Manuel Miranda like, is just skipping all the way to the bank. Because there's no way in hell all these Broadway people aren't going to be, like, knocking down his door. Being like, right. hey, Lin-Manuel Miranda, do you want to breathe on our project? <laughs> <laughs> What's weird, though, is that Lin-Manuel Miranda isn't really involved in, in the Heights. Besides... it being an adaptation of his being musical. A thing that he wrote, yeah. Because I mean, it's well, in production at the exact same time as a comparably sized musical that he is directing. Yeah, So yeah, yeah. Uh, he kind of can't do both at the same time. Well, I honestly, like, what's going on with Lin-Manuel Miranda right now is actually really cool. There, I heard part of an interview where he was talking where he's like, I, I already did Hamilton. Hamilton is what's gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be known for forever. Hamilton's gonna be written on my grave. Like that's it. I've done it. Like what do I do now when I've basically like I've done it. I've done the thing that I was meant to do. Now mm. I'm just gonna do what I want to do. And I was like, that's really cool, Lynn. I'm glad that you are happy about your life. <laughs> right. Yeah. And apparently, what he wants to do is be in a bad Mary Poppins movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I so the thing about that Mary Poppins movie is that I started it, I watched three quarters of it, had to stop and do something else, and then I've just never returned to it. <laughs> yeah, Mary Poppins returns, but you do not. But I have not. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's been Monster Jackson Sink. Adeline talk talk movie musicals twenty twenty twenty. Here's uh, first Jackson, of all, I want to say Jackson, we should watch what? The Great Gatsby. Oh, we could do Great Gatsby. That'd be a good one. Um, We'll do that instead of something this month. Oh, maybe. Okay. Instead Um, of speed, maybe. 
Okay, I want to do speed still. I know you want to do speed. I Okay, I think that... Cut this out of the podcast. I think speed would be funny. I just really don't think we're going to be able to have a full conversation about speed. I think it's going to be like, isn't this fucking hilarious? And that's going to be the whole conversation. I just We've don't just think... proven that we can talk for 40 minutes about something entirely different than the movie. That's <laughs> true. It's a movie we <laughs> care about. Okay. I think I we'll just... be okay. Okay. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um... So, like, but, so, I mean, this is a movie with a really, like, high concept, right? Oh, yeah. They're like, what if we had, like, these crazy monsters who all work for this big, like, mundane corporation, and the movie's just kind of about them, like, living their everyday life and behaving completely normally right up until something crazy happens. And, like, their names are all, like, George Sanderson and James yeah. Sullivan and Mike Wazowski, which I think is the funniest thing about this movie, which is yeah. the names of all the monsters. Just totally regular just names. being, like, Doug Johnson. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, what I think is a, funny a about this movie genius. is that it's, it is very much, like, a lot of the, like, the plot of, like, what's going on is very high concept with, like, Randall, like, because you got the thing with, like... Yeah, Randall we, Boggs. Yeah, well, it's because, well, like, the whole thing, what you were kind of told up front is that this is about the all-time scare record. It's about Sully and Randall, like, competing to do- get this thing. And, like, at the end of the day, even though it's important, it's still kind of a mundane thing. Like, it's just mm-hmm. a record that they're both trying to beat. And right. then when you find out that Randall doesn't give a shit about that mundane thing, he is trying to do something <laughs> that's, like, hugely evil and, like, racketeering and based off fear-mongering. And right. it's just, like, it's, like total like we're not dealing with the regular stuff anymore like we're we're into something like bigger and kind of darker than like your everyday life right yeah but i also think it's funny that like honestly like the main plot of like what's happening with boo is like another pixar story that's like basically about parenting and how you raise a child and i feel like it's more of a metaphor for like adopted children and of course it's not a perfect metaphor because they don't adopt boo that's not how that works but like it's just like sullivan like kind of becoming a father to something that he was told that he was supposed to hate and it's just right. I, I really like it yeah um and sorry i had a thought but i lost it give me just a second <laughs> um oh i was just gonna say that this aesthetic is i think I mean, it's hard to say, because I was four years old when this movie came out. Yes. but I, I was don't, one years old. Yeah, I don't think the whole, like, big ridiculous world with really mundane characters trope in animated mm-hmm. movies was really a thing before this. Yeah. And I think, I think this movie is really instrumental in things like Wreck-It Ralph down the road. Like, oh, all these other things. definitely, definitely. That, like, I, I guess Shrek is kind of like that, too. That was the same year. So, uh, yeah, I guess Shrek and Monsters, Inc. both. But they're mm-hmm. just sort of, like, pioneered the, like, animated movie trend of just, like, have something big and crazy, but have the people kind of act like regular people, like they're just doing their job, you know? Yeah. Um, And I feel... I'm trying to think of any other good examples besides Wreck-It Ralph. I mean, it's... Anyway. <laughs> yeah, whatever, fine. Maybe, you know what? I think I am just full of shit. This is... Yeah. Here's okay, Jackson. In the future, cut all the rest of that out and cut this in instead. You know, it's kind of funny. This movie's a little bit like Wreck-It Ralph. Anyway, um, oh my I god, really you're like... so right. 
I really like Billy Crystal in this movie. Yeah, he, he does a great walks job. walks a really fine line. It would be so easy to make Mike Wazowski the most annoying character in the world. Oh, yeah, just the worst. But he's, like, genuinely so funny. I know. It's, uh, it's. It, it honestly, I think it is because of the setting of, like, the mundane people in the world. Like, Mike Wazowski seems like a character, like, straight out of The Office. Like, you know? Like, <laughs> right. He, He's kind of the Michael Scott of this movie. Yeah, like he, like, he has such a big personality, but, like, he cares about, like, really stupid things. Like, right. he's just, like, at the beginning of the movie, we are introduced to him, basically. Well, first of all, training with Sully. But then, like, him... I love that part where they're watching the commercial, and he's like, oh my god, I'm in a commercial. And then the phone rings, and he's talking to somebody about he's on the, how he's on the commercial. And then he turns to Sully, and he goes, it's your mom. And then he just keeps talking <laughs> on the phone. And it's so good. Like, it's just, like, he's, like weirdly like self-absorbed but not in like a mean way it's just like that's just where his head's at and like he wants to drive his car to work so fucking bad because he bought this (laughs) like fancy car and like he just fucking sucks at doing paperwork just like stuff like that like it just seems like he just like fits so well into the setting that like alongside with like billy crystal's performance is that he just, I don't know, he just, like, fits so well into the world that, like, things that would be annoying aren't annoying because it just right. seems like real life. Exactly, yeah. And Mike Wazowski's so fun. Like, yeah. it's just, just between, like, his character design where he's just this little eyeball guy and the yeah. fact that, like, I wonder, I have to wonder if this was, he like, a... thrown around so much. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I have to wonder if this is, like, a Robin Williams situation where they, like planned the character with Billy Crystal's persona in mind, or if they yeah. just happened to cast Billy Crystal in this role. But, like, there's something so perfect about it. I know. Because you have to imagine most of the stuff he does in this is ad-libbed, you know? I, I, God, I love that line so much, reason the the scream vacuum or whatever it's called. The <laughs> horror machine? The fucking God. That thing yeah. is so scary. <laughs> anyway, when, when he's sitting in that machine... And he's like, where's the kid, you three, you one-eyed cretin? And he's like, it's cretin. If you're going to insult me, do it properly. And it's like, oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, I was going to say, later in that scene is a line that I really love. where He's like strapped to the chair and like about to be tortured. And he's like, fungus, fungus, I know you like cars. I know you really like cars. If you let me go, I will let you t- take a drive in my car. <laughs> Which I think is just so funny. Like, <laughs> it's just so in character. It's so good. Um, and that uh, fungus is voiced by Frank Oz, by the way. I didn't know oh, that until I didn't today. Know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and we've talked about this before. I think there's a certain thing about nostalgia is that it's a lot more powerful if you haven't been exposed to it in the interim between seeing it as a child and seeing it now. You know? Oh yeah. Um, because like the two Toy Story movies were another thing we had on VHS that we watched all the time. Yeah. Um, But I feel like we've watched those more frequently as we were growing up and as adults, you know? Yeah, This is probably my first time, like, sitting down and watching Monsters, Inc. since I was, I don't know, watching it on VHS, probably. I feel like that's probably not true, but it's true enough. that awesome blue VHS that we had, that thing was awesome. Oh, that's right, yeah. I think, okay, look. I think we should get into colored Blu-ray cases again. again. There was a hot second where people were experimenting with it, where 
like, oh, Age of Ultron has like a red case instead of the traditional blue. And yeah. then Ant-Man had a black one for no particular reason. Well, but then um, you're just confusing all the grandparents who already don't know what Blu-ray is. And all they know <laughs> is that it's the blue one. <laughs> right. No, fair enough. Um, I just think I just want to get a little more creative with packaging because I feel yeah. like Blu-ray packaging has gotten a little bit stagnant. It's the most boring thing. Yeah. Because they, they really got fun with VHSs. And maybe oh, yeah. that's just the time period because in the 90s people just got fun with everything because they right. could. Because it was the future and they could do whatever the <laughs> hell they wanted. Right. But no, yeah, yeah. Like even with like records, like colored records are so fucking cool. Like, yeah, I don't know, and like you can't do, you can't make a CD a different color. That's not exactly that's not yeah. How it works. <laughs> we just gotta, we gotta find a way to revolutionize. Yeah. Disc packaging. Listen, we gotta we, find me and Jackson really just ridiculous. got new phones, and it's like you get a new phone. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. And they're like, you get to pick the color of your phone, and then I was like, oh, <laughs> holy shit, dude, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> I get, I get to have a purple phone. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. <laughs> Um, Basically, okay. I'm just saying that we all have goblin brain and we just need to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so my two my two like big picture criticisms of this movie. Mm-hmm. First of all, I think that it would be better. I mean, like I said at the beginning, I think it would be better if it was more like a conspiracy that was being perpetuated by the characters yeah. we see in this movie. I think that would make it a much better and thematically stronger movie, first of yeah, all. Yeah, I get that. And second of all, it's a little bit more of a logistical thing. But Boo isn't really important specifically, right? Like, presumably Randall could take any kid. So it becomes weird that he is so obsessed with particularly getting a hold of Boo. There's never any explanation as to why Randall needs to have Boo specifically, you know? I I think putting it in the metaphor of parenting especially parenting and like adoption or foster care i think randall really does represent like a past abuser right especially in the way that boo feels towards him like literally the first thing that she does is like draw a picture of him because she's so scared of him like to just like she's like she's just got she's just so messed up about him and the fact that randall seems to like he enjoys the fact that she right. is so scared of him. That's true. That he kind of has think, a vendetta. Yeah, I think it is. I think Boo is important. I think it's important that it's Boo, not really in the plot, because not plot logistically, wise, but it, it could have been any kid. But I think in the plot and the kind of metaphor that we're building, we talked about this with Toy Story that the metaphor could be real and could not be real. But right. of like of of Randall as a past abuser and just like having like uh no it has to be Boo cuz Boo is fucking scared of me and I know that I can fucking get as much scream juice out of her right. as possible or whatever the fuck scream is. Yeah, that's a really a good take actually. Yeah. Um no, yeah, and I mean it doesn't even necessarily need to be a logistical reason. It could just be that like Randall, like, kind of has it out for this kid, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. He enjoys the fact that she is so scared of him, and it, like, makes him feel powerful, you know? Like, yeah. any other kid would probably also be scared, and would probably get him, but it's, like, that's not his kid that, you know, yeah. he has he has his weird relationship with, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, no, I think that's a really, that's a really smart take on it, because I hadn't even thought about it in that sort of Well, no, I can space. burp and fart my way through the rest of the yeah, episode. Yeah, no, do it. You've earned <laughs> this it. This has been my hot take. <laughs> um, I just remember as a kid watching this, the sequence where they're in the apartment and, mm-hmm. like, all the sirens are going off outside and the searchlights and they're trying to figure out what to do. 
like mm-hmm. really stressed me out as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think honestly for me being a little girl, it was the fact that Boo was upset, like really made the scene like it freaked me out. Right. Because I mean, I obviously identified with Boo a little bit. So when Boo like starts crying and she's like scared, I was like, "Oh, holy shit, no." <laughs> <laughs> I think for me it was more like just this is really intense. And it's a kid's movie and I'm not used to it. And they're just kind of letting it sit in the intensity of it, you know? Yeah. Well, because they don't, there's, they don't have a way out of the situation, exactly. basically. So they do kind of, they're kind of just trapped. Exactly. And so you do, you've just got a closed box that's just filling up with tension <laughs> until, until they get Boo to stop crying. And then right. the tension kind of releases. Well, until that release, it's just like, oh, holy shit, dude, this sucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, um... Uh, oh, and another thing that really freaked me out as a kid was, like, fungus being all pale and having, like, swollen lips after yeah, it gets that, out of yeah. the screen machine. That was really upsetting to me. <laughs> yeah. It's because it's such a visceral change. I know. And it's but, so, like, well, even if like... he was just pale, it wouldn't be so bad. But the yeah. fact that he has, like, big red swollen lips from getting the scream sucked out of him yeah. is like, what the fuck? Why? Yeah, that machine's no. fucking scary. God, I got, like, as a kid, that scene where they're, like, uh, like I feel like I just appreciate this movie so much as an adult. Like, the, oh, God, when they go to, like, the screams, go, like, basically they figured out that Randall's, like, doing something. He's not just cheating to get the scare score. Like, he's doing right. something, like, big and evil. And so they go to Waternoose, and you have that scene where Sully scares the crap out of Boo, and it just, like, right. totally destroys the relationship, and it hits you like a freight train. Yeah. And then you fucking get it to Waternoose and the heel turn with, like, Waternoose and Randler working together is so good. And then, oh, God, the scene where they're in the wasteland and Sully is, like, trying to open the door again. It's so fucking yeah, good. Yeah, it's really intense. No, and the thing I love about the sequence where Boo gets scared is that, like, I feel like just in terms, on a smaller scale, obviously, but it, like, mimics sort of a real trauma in the sense that, like, he doesn't get to, like, sort it out right afterwards, you know? Like, Boo gets scared, and the whole time the whole thing is happening, Mike is, like, having that conversation with Mr. Waternoose. Like, you're going through that whole thing with Sully. Well, meanwhile, in the background, everything else is just still plugging along exactly as usual, and he still kind of has to be engaged with that, but Mm -hmm. he just went through this thing, and he has to kind of stop for a second, but... He can't really afford to, you know? And I feel like that's just the way that things like that work, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, everything in your life doesn't stop for you when something bad happens to you. And I feel Mm -hmm. like just the way that it's set up in that sequence has a really visceral effect in terms of just, like, and, you know, that really sucks, but the world's still going and, you know, we gotta keep moving, you know? Yeah. And I love, I really, gosh, I... I really like the metaphor that I've set up of, like, the adopted kind of child metaphor, which, to be fair, is not my doing, it's the movie's doing, but, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> like, I I love that scene when Sully comes to rescue Boo, and you have that conversation of, like, Mike trying to talk to Sully while he's being attacked, and Mike can't see that Randall's attacking yeah. him, which is basically a metaphor in itself, but, like, it's, it's, <laughs> I love that scene so much. Yeah. Where Mike is like, I understand that just because you care a lot about Boo, it doesn't mean that you don't care about me. And, like, I 
even if things are hard for you, I still care enough about our friendship to want to help you out. And it's like, that's really good. And also you get to punch Randall in the face. So it's a great scene all around. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that whole thing is kind of played for comedy, though. I don't know. To me, like, when he comes in and he's, like, being really vulnerable and it's just like, oh, the gag is that Sully is fighting a guy and he doesn't get it. Yeah. Like, and that dialogue is so great, and it kind of feels like Billy Crystal just made it up on the spot in service of that gag, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I think it I think it functions as both things. I think yeah. it can be a gag. Like, that's what we talk about with Pixar. Pixar is really good about balancing gags and emotion without one kind of derailing the other. I feel like this is one of those scenes where it's like, that really works well. It's like, Mike is being genuine and they're having a genuine like conversation right now right. but at the same time there is a goof going on but just because the goof is going on doesn't stop the traction of the scene you yeah. know if it were me i would have taken a second and had them have just a short conversation right after that yeah just to be like oh yeah no it's fine our friendship means a lot to me too and i'm gonna give some i'm gonna validate that thing you just said in the eyes of the audience afterwards yeah. does that make sense <laughs> Instead of just fucking moving on <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly because the fact that they just move right on from it afterwards just makes it feel like haha that was funny you know yeah. i want them to take a second and like acknowledge it and be like this is important yeah. and something that matters before they before they just move to the next thing you know yeah God, but I, I don't know, maybe about... if they had done that, I would have felt like, oh, that was a little clunky and kind of slowed down the momentum of everything. I don't know. Yeah. Filmmaking's I hard. Re- I really like the finale of the movie, because I really like that whole scene where they're trying, they have the door, they have the right door, and they're trying to power it up so they can get in. And then that call, and then that door gets called back, and Waternoose is basically hanging them over to the FBI. And you have that really great chase scene that's fucking terrifying of Waternoose, yeah. who is already, like, I don't know. Why, like, at the beginning of the movie, I don't know why Waternoose isn't scary, and I honestly think it's because of, like, his voice acting and that performance yeah. of him just being like, oh, I'm just, like, a happy, I'm a nice, happy old man, like, that kind of, like, energy, that even though he's a fucking terrifying crab monster, like, he just, <laughs> right. like, totally hides the terrifying crab monster just, like, underneath his personality. So that scene where he's, like, fucking chasing them down the hallway is, like, so fucking scary, and he's, like, skinning yeah. on the side of the walls and, like, trying to burst through a door, and you're just like, holy shit, dude, this guy's <laughs> yeah. fucking scary. I mean, yeah, I don't know, it's James Coburn. It's, like, yeah. he's just, like, this really old-school movie star with a good old-person voice, and he's just, like, really friendly. He's just like, oh, hello, James, I was in The Magnificent Seven, and I'm your boss. <laughs> and, like, it's just like, oh, it's, it's, I can yeah. trust this guy. He's an old movie star, he sounds like. Yeah, and I, there's this just, like, this might just be me trying to get more things out of this movie than are actually there. But, like, I think there is, like, this really cool, really subtle relationship between Boo and Mr. Waternoose, where when they first get there, Boo is just kind of, like, just kind of goes to him because he's, like, a weird crab man. And she's like, hey, weird crab man. But then when Sully scares her, the first person that she goes to is Waternoose. Right. And I think that's solely because she recognizes him and that he was nice to her. Yeah. So she goes to Waternoose. No, that's fair. And then you have that scene where he's fucking chasing her down the hallway and she's just <laughs> right. fucking terrified. And I think that, again, plays into that the metaphor of Boo being an abused child. And it's just like, oh man, right. dude, fucking Waternoose is scary. Yeah, no, <laughs> because totally. Because he does have that heel turn, not only with Sully, but absolutely with Boo, which yeah. is scary. No, yeah. I mean, it's sort of the, um, give me just a second to collect my, my words. Yeah. Come here, words. 
Come here. Come here. Come here. That's a bad joke. I'm going to cut it out of the podcast. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> the, um, but yeah, I think that, you know, there is sort of a thematic element with Boo of, like, trusting somebody but then having something bad happen because mm-hmm. of that, you know? And it's it's interesting because we get a lot of stories like that of, with that sort of thematic idea and, like, people dealing with that kind of trauma. But this is interesting because it's a baby mm-hmm. who doesn't really have a character as a human yet, you know? Yeah. So she's, it's... Uh, she's 100% reactive to the people around Exactly. Her. Precisely. Um, and it's just... It's a cool and interesting sort of dynamic. I don't know. It's cool that, like... I don't know. I'm trying to think how... What happens at the end of the movie? How does Sully sort of get back in Boo's good graces? Well, he rescues her from the Screamorama machine. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think I think it just sort of goes to show that, like, there are certain people that... There's a validity to hurting somebody by mistake, you know? Yeah. And then not everybody who hurts you deserves to be... To be cut out of your life. I think there's a similarity between this and... Um, did you ever watch Lindsay Ellis's video on Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2? No, I didn't. Her whole take on that movie is, like, the the mission statement is just that, like, there, there are different kinds of abusers, right? There mm-hmm. are some, like Yondu, who is trying his best but is still manipulative and hurtful, but he's... You know, somebody who does genuinely care about you and wants what's best for you, and those people are worth forgiving and worth working with and, you know, Mm -hmm. moving forward with. And then there are people like Ego the Living Planet who um, don't (laughs) don't deserve your time. Who I hate to break it to you is the bad guy. (laughs) Yeah, who don't deserve your time and don't deserve to be be validated or forgiven or anything like that. They're not worth Mm -hmm. it. Um, and I think an argument can be made that in the in the Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2 of this movie, Sully is kind of the Yondu and Mr. Waternoose is kind of the ego of the living planet. And I feel like maybe we're just full of shit, but like... That, no, I'm I think... like, I, there's definitely evidence. Like, yeah. I mean, just like I said, like there's, there's very specific moments where Boo interacts with not Waternoose and the way that they develop through the movie is definitely similar to other patterns that we've seen of her interacting with other people. Right. So I don't think it was, like... I don't think it's a huge thing. I think it's something that was definitely put there, though, you know? Okay, how do you feel about the very end of this movie? Because I think I would like it better if they just didn't do that. Well, I... It, the the making... I really like the scene where they show you the new factory. Oh, I totally. think that's important. Yeah, and I'm talking about him going my- back and meeting Boo again. Yeah, I, I think it, they, because I, I think there's just a stronger amount of finality if it's just like the door shredded and that's something he has to deal with, you know, yeah. and, and it's a not conversation like that I've seen happening on the internet is the idea that when you're a foster parent, you have to sometimes let a kid go and you have to be okay with that because if you're not okay with that, the kid won't be okay with that and that Mm -hmm. creates just a whole bunch of issues for the kid. And so I feel like, playing into this child metaphor that we've made throughout the podcast, I think if if 
he let Boo go and he was totally happy for Boo to be home. And then he just like kept the picture in the piece and that was just for him, just to remember it. And then he could move on with his life knowing that yeah. Boo was taken care of. I do really like that. I mean, I like, I, it, it's it's obviously a happy ending that Sully can go see Boo and he can interact with Boo. Like that's right. obviously a happy ending. I think, I don't think the movie would be better if that wasn't there. I think it would just be a different tone to end on. It ends on right. like this kind of like, it ends on a happy tone instead of a bittersweet tone, which I think mm-hmm. they just preferred the happy one over the bittersweet one, you know? Right, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that you could just have the big new factory be enough of a happy ending, you know? Yeah. You could just end with all the people being happy in their yeah. cool new jobs and making people laugh. and. Well, I think I, think I would have liked it if they just, if they fixed the door but not just for Sully, but if they just fix the door so that Boo could be a oh, part yeah. of the great new system that was in place. Somebody else could... gets the Boo door and she gets to hear state of comedy in bed. Like yeah, that, well, that, that the system that had been used to hurt Boo can now be used to make Boo happy. And it's just like, yeah, like just, just really cementing how much things have changed. Like, I think, I think we could have ended the movie at that scene where Mike is doing stand-up comedy if Boo was the kid that Mike was doing stand-up <laughs> oh, comedy yeah. for. Yeah, that like, would be I great. think that would have been really good. <laughs> and that would be especially perfect because she was the one who laughed at him getting hurt the whole time, you know? Yeah. And if it were, like, coming back and seeing Boo is, like, slightly older and Mike is and doing Mike's his trying to do stand-up comedy. Also, and by the way, she's just not having it. <laughs> the joke that totally went over my head when I was a little kid where Mike is like, Anyway, I'm coming to you live from your room. Hey, what's up? Where are you from? <laughs> like, that's yeah. so good. That's a really funny joke. I fucking love that scene where they're trying... This is just us slowing Billy Crystal, but where they're trying to power up Boo's door, and he, like, does that thing where he, like, kicks himself in the crotch, and he's like, oh, sorry, your hood was covering your eyes, I didn't see it. And then Mike just gets pissed, and then Boo, like, crosses her arms and makes that little pouty face, and Sully's like, hey, let's not yell, because we're still trying to get her to laugh. It's right, just it's so, so good. good. Like, um, this... Like, I don't, I, it's just so good of, like, what a little kid is like. It just, right. it's so good. My final, my final take on this movie on a subtextual level is that uh, I think that scene with Mike in the kid's bedroom at the end takes on a lot of extra meaning when you consider that it was written and animated by people who work in children's media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the fact that it seems like they're always trying to do something and, like, have a greater intent and do something a little bit more intellectual and kids don't like it. And then they burp up their microphone and they go crazy. <laughs> and they're just, like, fucking fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll eat a microphone and throw it back up. Are you happy now, kid? <laughs> kid, stupid kid. You don't know what's good for you. You don't know comedy. <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, Adeline. Do you know? Is there, not a, is there no trivia time, time? No, there is. I was just about to do that. Oh, I, I look at my watch. trivia time. I'm trying to decide because on the one hand, I don't want it to be like let's do trivia time and then let's do the review and then it'll be over because it feels like that's yeah. like everything at once and I don't like that. Yeah. But a lot of the time, the stuff in trivia time pertains to the end of the film, which we haven't yeah. talked about yet. If I do it earlier, right? Yeah. And I can't decide which of those two evils I want to. I want to take anyway. For today, yeah. we're going to do the first one. Uh, hey, Adeline. Um, hey, Jackson. Did you know that after helping Water Noose exile Sully and Mike to the Himalayas, Randall gets exiled at the end of the film? 
who the fuck is writing these facts? Like, I want names. Adeline, literally like, anybody. Like, yeah, just fucking, but who's, like, going through them and being like, this is the one. This is a real mind bender. Like, did you know that after a thing that happens in the movie, thing that happens in the movie, it's right. like, it, fuck, that's not, that's not trivia. I also have just watched the film because I'm on the IMDb page. Right. God. And it's just like, I don't know. This isn't even something that's like hard to pick up on. It's just like, no. here's something they do in the movie that kind of has a resonance later. You're like, yeah, yeah. I know. I watched it. <laughs> anyway, did you know <sighs> that um, Pixar's movies have a reoccurring motif of self-improvement? In this film, Mike is proud of how scary he is and excited about possibly breaking the all-time scare record. In the end, he realizes scaring really isn't so good, and even has the whole factory making children laugh instead. This is just this. This is just a plot point. This first is... of all, first of all, they said Mike instead of Sully. That's the <laughs> yeah, big first point. First of all, you got it fucking wrong. <laughs> so the trivia, all... the, it's not trivia if the trivia itself is fucking wrong. <laughs> second it's of not... all. They have the audacity to claim that Pixar's films have a reoccurring motif of self-improvement, like as if character arcs are not a motif of every meaningful story that has ever any, been told. Any of them. Pick one. <laughs> okay, here's one. I'm hoping that you can help me suss this out, because I really and truly am not even really sure what they're getting at with this one. Okay. Mike's line to Sully in the locker room, colon. There's more to life than scaring. While hiding from Randall and Fungus in the bathroom, Randall tells Fungus to get the machine up and running and that he will take care of Boo. Said machine turns out to be the Scream Extractor. End of trivia. Are they fucking saying that they foreshadowed the Scream Machine because Mike, okay, 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 okay. No, there's nothing. That, there's nothing. He's okay. No, that line where Mike is like, "There's more to life than screaming," it could, or than scaring. There's more to life than screaming. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. There's more to life than screaming. When we make and merch, okay, our merch has to be a Snape is not your uwu baby. Okay. And B, there's more to life than screaming. <laughs> Mike says there's more to life than screaming. And then they're like, and at the end of the movie, they realize that, like, laughing is a better prime. It's like, okay, you want to say that that's foreshadowing? I'll right. believe that. Like, that would have been good. Like, it's not, it's, it's still not fucking trivia, but it's a thing it's a, that you can say. That you could point this, out. This one, I think, is implying that it's foreshadowing the scream machine, which sounds line. like a drink from Jamba Juice. <laughs> It sounds like a roller coaster at Silverwood. <laughs> it's because of the drink that I get at Chumba Juice is the orange dream machine. <laughs> so I, I thought you were going to say it was the orange screamer. I was like, that sounds tight as hell. Yeah, Chumba Juice is a lot more metal than you think it is. Um, but anyway, they're trying to imply that that line somehow implies that the screamer is the thing or is it implying that mike like knows about the screamer like i don't even know what they're trying to say here there are two pieces of data that are completely unrelated to each other they just have nothing to do with each other and it's like uh, and the fact that they bring 
like a boo too. It's like boo has literally nothing to do with what you're talking about, other yeah. than the fact that the scream machine is meant for her. But that's not even that's not even what we're fucking talking about. Like, what are you? <laughs> who the fuck? Who is this? I want okay. names. I have I am one more. I'm so mad that there aren't authors for these because I would fucking hunt them down and just be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? The worst part of these is that there's always somebody who marked it as interesting. Like, usually, <laughs> like, this one in particular, this one that's just two pieces of data that are completely unrelated, yep, it was um, two out of 15 people found it interesting, which is, like... <laughs> 15 is more people reading this than it deserves. Yeah, and, like, two people were like, huh, yeah, oh, and clicked on real, it. That's a real head-scratcher. <laughs> okay, I have one more. Okay. This is my favorite genre of these trivia times. Uh-huh. <clears throat> the signal for the CDA, 2319... May be a reference to the letters W and S, which are the 23rd and 19th letters of the Latin alphabet. WS may stand for white sock, a common threat to monsters, which can only be written by the CDA. W and S are also the initials of Mike and Sully's last names, Wazowski and Sullivan, respectively. This is like when those people, like, prove that the Illuminati is the head of the government by, like, counting things on the dollar bill, and they're like, there's nine things in here. Nine is divisible by three. Three. There, uh, Hydra is three heads. Uh, Hydra is a fucking Marvel thing that's the Nazis. The government is Nazis. Like, that's just what it feels like. Yeah. It's just, like, people reaching so, so far. It's a W I... for... What are you talking about? <laughs> because, look, this is not something that you could just intuit casually while watching, right? No. Somebody sat at home and was like, oh, I'm a real IMDb trivia junkie, and I love contributing to those. I hear a number in a movie. I just run that number through as many weird criteria yeah. as I possibly can, and if I find anything, anything at all, it's going right anything. out there on IMDb trivia. <laughs> It's like, to their credit, this has been the only piece of trivia that is actually trivia. <laughs> but <laughs> that, the problem with it is that there's just no fucking way that that was intentional and or true. Like, right. I, like the W, like, it being, like, those two letters are W and S. It's like, okay. Like, I, in a, in, in that could be White Sox. Like, I feel like that's believable. <laughs> I get that. But then they're like, and also... It's the main character's last name. So I'm like, okay, you're too many things. You're wrong now. <laughs> like, you, you had me in the first act, and now you just, you completely yeah. lost me. Okay. <laughs> Adeline, do you want to hear a one-star review of Monsters, Inc.? I do. I'm scared. What are they going to say? Uh, this, movie com- or this review comes from Letterboxd.com, and this, this user says, Kids movie about monsters that suck the adrenochrome from helpless children. Remember that the next time you play it for your little tyke, you worthless sack of shit parent, quote unquote. <laughs> Are they trying to say it's too scary? You also, should, what's they're not good role models. What I did they say? Just a fancier way to say adrenaline. Oh, okay. The, <laughs> you're a shitty parent. You let your wa- kids watch Monsters Inc. What's fucking wrong with you? It's rated G. <laughs> yeah, adrenochrome is the a chemical compound um, produced by the oxidation of adrenaline. Presumably, oh, you it comes know out this guy's just the fucking worst because yeah. he used the word adrenochrome. <laughs> yeah, and it's I, I like what you don't understand is that it means that they're bad role models. Yeah, they're, he's implying uh, subtextually that they're that they're pedophiles.
mean, I God, because every at all children's media is secretly bad. And you know, it's just not a good thing to show your kids because you know they can internalize that and grow up to be pedophiles themselves if they watch this movie. Is the thing about it. Anyway, my name is Jackson McMurray. My name is Adeline McMurray. And this has been No Nerds Allowed.